0: Hello and welcome to another episode in the Walls Fancast series, Stories from the Pack. Uh, Ryan Hooper here with you for this episode. Um, I'm delighted to be joined uh, on this episode um, by primarily a, a Walls fan, but to give he's his, his, his working title, it's BBC Sport England editor, Steve Marshall. Steve, how are you?
1: Hello, Roy. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Not too bad at all.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us, uh, Steve. We'll, we'll go through the, the episode um, in kind of an order of your initial Wolves story. But I know Wolves, in, in terms of your relationship with Wars has been both personal and professional, so we may look at that as well. But ultimately, with everybody that's on, whatever title or vocation that they do, we're all part of the pack, which is what the series is about. So if we start at the very beginning, if we can see, when did your Wolves story begin in terms of your first um, either game or memory of being a Wolves fan?
1: Well, my first memory of being a Wolves fan came probably a year or so before I actually went to my first game. Um, my aunt has been going since the 1950s, since the, the real glory days of Wolves. Um, and back in the early 1980s, it was the 82-83 season. Um, she, uh, she, um, she, she used to drop my grandma off at our house at weekends, on Saturday afternoons. So, uh, so she, she stayed with my mum and dad and my sister and me. Uh, while she went off to Molyneux to watch the games. And she used to bring me back a programme. Um, and during that season is the first, first time I sort of got to know Wolves, if you like. Uh, obviously, won promotion under Graham Hawkins. Um, and uh, 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 came second to Queen's Park Rangers, I think it was, if I, if I remember rightly. But it was a team of sort of Mel Eaves and uh, Andy Gray and Kenny Hibbett and John Burridge. Um, so those names sort of became very familiar in the 82-83 season, um, and I was only sort of six, six or seven at the time. But that was, that, was, that was what got me into the Wolves' bug, really, um, was was, those, was having those programmes come back from, from my aunt. Um, and, uh, and as it is, you know, she, she was the one who took me to my first game the, the season later in, in uh, January 1984. It was the week after Wolves won at Anfield when Steve Margin got the only goal. Um, and we played Luton at home uh, and lost two one, predictably given given that team. Uh, John Pender scored the Wolves goal. I remember him heading in from a corner, uh, and we sat in the John Island stand, so what's now the Steve Bull, when it was you know miles away from the pitch, um, <laughs> and uh, oh, it, was, it, it was great. And, and just going in, just getting into that first time, I was I was absolutely hooked. So uh, so that was great. And you know from there, I went to, to another game that season, which was the 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 um, goalless draw with West Brom at the, towards the end of the season when they got relegated, of course, uh, and then from there I sort of went steadily. I, I went steadily the following few seasons as Wolves went down and down the leagues. So um, you know, even 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 a triple triple relegation didn't put
0: me off. Brilliant, and and I think then really your your Wolves journey then started in a real interesting. Part of Wolves history, as you say. So I guess just prior to sort of you coming on board, you'd had the 80 League Cup and so forth. And then, right, yeah. as, as you say, you'd had those sort of years where it was transitional. And then perhaps at that point, you know, with um, it, we didn't foresee sort of, you know, as you say, those relegations and, and so forth. So was it sort of that intrigue initially when you weren't going to the games, you have got the programme, you looked at it, you were familiar with the names. And did you kind of went, you, you know, um, think, when am I going to get to go and, you know, use that anticipation building?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was very much that it was, it was, you know, just having this football club on my doorstep and well, I say on the doorstep, I've I've lived in Warsaw all my life. So, you know, the walls aren't my local club. Um, but, um, they've been the club of my aunt, as I say, she, 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 still goes now with me and we got our season tickets together. Um, and 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 you know, as, as my mum was growing up, she used to take her to games as well. And my mum stopped going when she had me and my sister. So my aunt was the one who was was going all the time. And 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 uh, and, I, and it's, it's sort of her, her I've got to blame for um for, 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 <laughs> for supporting wolves. But but do, do, do I blame her? Not one bit. I love it.
0: Really, and, and yeah, in those days, then as you say, that, that John Ireland stand. Um, I spoke to a couple of people because I think for for a lot of people, my introduction was the the um, family enclosure as it was as you say in the the John Island stand as well and those red seats and those games they used to have before kickoff just between oh, the yeah. stand and the game, which <laughs> emphasised how far you were away from from things and you know and and then it's kind of still there now in obviously a different format but so you obviously you caught the bug early on do you remember sort of the atmosphere and your walk up to the game or, or do you remember in those days sort of you know your sort of pre was it a ritual at all or was it sort of? Um...
1: Well, I, I remember my, at the time my aunt used to, because she lived in Rugeley, she always used to drive up the Cannock Road and towards Wolverhampton. So as you were driving through, um, you know, past Bushbury and, 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 and that, yeah. way into, that way into town, uh, you could, or you could always see um, the Tower of St. Peter's, but you could also see the big four floodlights on the on, on the on the corners of the ground, and that was the one thing I remember. And she used to park in Cambridge Street. So then, as you walked up that last bit of of um, of uh, of Canoc Road towards where it meets the Stafford Road, mm-hmm. you then got you know, then got the the John Ireland stand bang in front of you, and of course you, you could see the the old the old North Bank as well. Um, and uh, even though it was a ramshackle ground, obviously it had great character. And during those early years, um, having started off in the John Ireland Stand, um, we then we then moved, and I, I stood a couple of games on the North Bank in that second season. Like it cost me fifty p to get in as a as a, <laughs> as a sort of seven year old standing up. And then when the North Bank closed, we moved to the old to the old South Bank, which was an enormous terrace. And and, and you know, given that the the crowds at the time were only 5,000. There was loads of space, and you could see the you could see the pitch really well. The facilities weren't the best, to be honest. <laughs> I, 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 I can sort of uh, I can sort of smell the toilets now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but and then um, gradually we ended up uh, moving back uh, to the John and stand, and then and then as you say it was, it was the family enclosure. Then when I sort sort of started going regularly and had my first season ticket, sort of in the early early nineteen nineties.
0: And that, that, that South Bank, that, that did as you say, although, you know, in that era, you know, we didn't have the crows, they were all en masse in that section, weren't they? I yeah, I, they were, I, yeah. I, I started slightly after that and remember the um Molyneux stand uh, Molyneux stand and then the Billy Wright as it is now and that wasn't there, and then obviously the North Bank, as you say, was, was coming down. So it was the the focus was was the South Bank, wasn't it? And it was, you know how steep it was in that character and you can romanticise about it and there's some smells which stay with your guests, don't they? But, um, Absolutely. You know.
1: um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, a remarkable place to watch the football and, and, you know, even though the team wasn't very good and I, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't tell you how many games I saw us losing that time um, because the, the team wasn't, the team wasn't great, but mm. it was just going to the football. That was the thing that, that was the thing that, 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 that really got to me it was going to watch live football at this ground and and, and that shared experience really with with uh, with other people it was it was uh, fantastic
0: and I think see that's just what resonates with everyone and, and it's very topical you know at time of recording although this isn't going to go out of date unfortunately fans aren't you know uh, able to attend and it just really reinforces you know what magic is when when we go and um hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll be there when it's, when it's safe to do so. But in, in those early years, as you say, perhaps the players weren't many stars within that and it was the experience. But as your, your sort of wars journey started, any players that stood out initially or any sort of favourites uh, that came to mind? Yeah, well, my,
1: my, my first favourite was was uh, Danny Craney, um, who obviously scored two goals in the 3-1-1 at the Hawthorns in November 1983. Uh, and that Christmas, I got my first Wolves kit. Um, and when Father Christmas uh, left, you know, popped down the chimney and left it in the front room, the label said it was from Danny Craney, uh,
0: <laughs> which absolutely, really.
1: made my, uh, absolutely made my Christmas. Um, so Danny Craney was the, was, was the first one, really. Um, and then going through, um, as the team sort of went down the leagues, uh, I quite liked Andy King, who was the, the shining light of the year. Uh, of the division three relegation season, um, uh, scoring, you know, double figures from double figures from midfield. And then the following season, you know, obviously, um, before bully came along, there was a guy up front called Neil Edwards, who they'd signed from Olds Winford for, for not a lot of money. He started that season really well, actually, um, with some goals and then got injured and, and, uh, never saw him again, partly because we had a bloke by the name of Stephen George, Bully who arrived on the scene and, uh, sort of did rather well over the years.
0: It's just just iconic, isn't it? You know, Bully comes up, but uh, there's no apologies for that either, really, because it is it is so iconic. And I think it's just... Oh, it's just look, we're, we're all singing from the same hymn sheet and everybody listening to this will will have seen or have got memories or, or told for anyone younger about Bully. But there was just something about Bully that I think there was a time when, if you weren't in the game... You were never out of it because he was on the team, Chiefs.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I I, I was genuinely one of the uh, lucky ones or unlucky ones, if you like, to be at his debut against Wrexham, Mm. um, which obviously a 3-0 home defeat with Bully wearing, I think, the number eight shirt for the only time in his Wolves career. Again, in the the John Ireland stand. Um, And nobody watching that day would have foreseen the impact he went on to on, on to make for the club, but it was like you know once he once he got that first goal under his belt he just became an absolute machine and you know he and Andy much were just far too good for those two levels and it was quite a simple game plan wasn't it you know it was sort of two banks of four bang the ball up to Bull and Much, and let them do the rest and you know two successive seasons with fifty odd goals of uh, uh, you know two titles um a Wembley final as well in the Sherpa van against Burnley in eighty eight um oh, it was it was you know, as a as a Wolves fan growing up at that time, having had the really lean years of those three successive relegations, and seeing everybody at school at the time, you know, nobody, I, I, you know, we've been in Warsaw, nobody supported Wolves. Really? It was all Villa, it was all Liverpool. Um, there was even more Warsaw fans at, at my junior school than than Wolves fans. So I was the only one there in a in a in, in a Wolves shirt, um, and when it came to games and PE and stuff, but I, I wouldn't have had it any other way.
0: And, and I, it, it, as you say, it, it, it's part of the journey, really, and, and what we always look at, and there'll be many moments within your, your, um, your supporting walls where there's been highs or lows. Um, well, we'll start with the low, because we'll, we'll end the section on, on a positive. So was there a particular moment that stands out, or, or, want, or name a couple, if you, if you may, Steve, uh, we won't go into too much detail, but I think it, it, it makes you, in a very cheesy way, appreciate perhaps what we've got now in those highs. But, and a tough time supporting Wolves. What what stands out for you? Do you know
1: what? I think the, the toughest. You know, you, you can you can throw in playoff defeats, and you can throw in. You know, I could easily pick a playoff defeat, or I could throw in the FA Cup semi final against Watford a couple of years ago, which probably is right up there. But I think in in my Wolves journey, actually, the lowest I've ever been is probably um, it was December 2012 when Bakken was in charge, mm-hmm. and we'd beaten we'd been beaten by Peterborough on. Boxing Day, and then Ipswich came to town. So it was Mick McCarthy's first game back at Molyneux, and we lost two 0 And um, I take my my wife's uh, um, sister's married to a Frenchman, so uh, and they've got four four boys, and they came over for Christmas last year. And whenever they come over for Christmas, they want to go to a football game. Mm-hmm. So I'd taken them to Wolves against Ipswich, and not only were we terrible, and it, it was it was I, I can't remember a more abject Wolves performance really it's it was just we offered absolutely nothing and the reason I pick it as my sort of real low moments is it's the only time I can ever coming out of coming out of the ground saying the manager has got to go because I just didn't see any plan uh and the players didn't seem to be playing for him it was just absolutely insipid um you know it didn't get much better that season but um you know, I think that would, as something a bit different. I think I would put that as one of the one of the low moments. As I say, picking a playoff final, a playoff semi-final defeat, or the or Watford was 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 a low point as well, and probably particularly Watford because you know, we were so close to doing something really really special that year. But I could forgive that. Te- I could I forgive mm-hmm. the team that because they'd given us such a magical two years before when we winning the championship, and then you know taking the Premier League by storm like we did in that first year. That you know, for all the disappointments of losing to Watford at Wembley having been two goals up and so close. Um, I, I could forgive them that, but that's that performance under Solbacken was just oh it's just terrible. Absolutely terrible.
0: And I think that's the thing, though <coughs> Steve, you will, Because you know, we will have people will mention you to say your bolt and your palace and, and so forth. But I think it, it's it's not and, and, and the Watford one was 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 Disappointed at the time, of course, but the bigger picture was there, wasn't it? I guess. Absolutely, you know, yeah. The Watford one. And yeah. I, the, the way I saw the Watford one, I, I was disappointed. It was, it was great because I got to go with my dad and, I, and I, we don't do it as much as we we, we should. And, and, and that was lovely. And it was a great personal moment for me. But I kind of thought, well, we'll be here again. Well, I didn't know what was coming. <laughs> to <be laughs> we'll be physically to be there again. But, you know, again, being positive, well, hopefully we'll soon. But in terms of where the club was, it kind of felt as if, okay, well, we're on a good progression and this is a blip in the road. But I guess what you're saying, Steve, with that sold back and point, it was like, well, are we at a crossroads here? Where do we go from here? Because this is, you know... Absolutely. Like, and, yeah. and as
1: I say, as I say, ju- just the fact it's the only time I can ever recall coming out of Molyneux and thinking the manager's got to go. You know, we've been obviously been through managers before with, you know, Graham Turner and Graham Taylor and, you know, Mick McCarthy and Glenn Hoddle and, dave jones and all those but i don't think ever i don't i can't recall ever as a fan myself you know people might say well he's he's clearly a happy clapper if he doesn't want the manager to go ever but it's probably not like that but it was the only time where i actually felt that the manager had completely lost the plot and i couldn't see any way out of it it was just so bad
0: yeah, no, it was it, it, it was it was a tough time, and it's it was a strange time as well. And I think we started okay, didn't we, in the sellback? And if I remember, we yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah, and then it, yeah, we, we, yeah. We, that's
1: right. We 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 won at we won at Blackburn in early October to go second or third, mm. and then it all it all nosedived. I mean, it, you know that that period was also quite a. Um, a a difficult sort of time for me personally as well because my my daughter had been born the year before she was 14 weeks premature so sort of you know that 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 relegation from the Premier League the season before when McCarthy got sacked and Terry Connor came in sort of passed me by a little bit because I got other things on my plate And, and sort of that's by sort of Christmas of that year I was just starting to get back to sort of go to games a bit because, you know everything was everything was okay at home and to just just see the team it was just a it was just an absolute rabble and of course it didn't get any better under team saunders either did it?
0: No god no. I mean it was it was it was it was a, it was a tough to watch, to watch with with Saunders. I, I remember so back in and coming Stephen there was there was a bit of expectation and I kind of thought well he's a little bit different. We hadn't really gone for a European manager before and um I remember going to a Q&A he did and he spoke very well, very articulate, and I was like, OK, he's, he's charmed me. But his football didn't ultimately, unfortunately, as you say. Um, so that was the sort of sell-back in here and a, and, a, and a tough time. And I think, as you say, with football as well, it is the off the field as well in terms of where you're at as well. It takes you back to a time, doesn't it, as well. But in, moving on now to, 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 to better times, um a moment or moments for you where you've either thought, well, it doesn't get any better than this," or was a particular game or a feeling where you thought, "What?" You know. <clears throat> um, I,
1: I I was thinking about this, and I could cherry pick so many games from over the years of of you know really magic moments I've been lucky enough to be at. You know, from the Sherpa van final in '88 to, um. The, yeah, the winning the, the the fourth and and, and third divisions in that in those seasons. Um, my first away game that I went to was the uh, was the four two win at West Brom. So that's yeah, you know, that that that's that's really clearly up there as well. Yeah. Um, and, and that, but I think um, in terms of games, then sort of the the I, I can't think of anything better at Molyneux than that Manchester United. FA Cup quarter final. I've just never heard Molyneux like it. It was absolutely feral. I mean, I've always been somebody who loves going to game, going to evening games and football under the lights. There's always been something really magical about that. I, I'd, I'd always much rather go to a um, an evening midweek game than a, a three o'clock on a Saturday, if I'm being honest. I just think there's mm-hmm. a better atmosphere about it. But, you know, that was like a perfect storm, wasn't it? It was a Saturday night under the lights in front of the t- BBC TV cameras. Um, and as i say i, I, I don 't ever recall Molyneux being as loud as that when joss 's goal went in, but in terms of best moments overall, I, I think that ten minutes before that opening Europa League game against Crusaders last year was really hard to beat. It was a real lump in the throat moment for me you know having having you know started out with three successive relegations and and sort of stayed on the stayed on the bandwagon, if you like to see. Wolves competing in Europe was just something I never thought would happen. You know, it, 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 that, that wasn't meant to happen, being a Wolves fan. You know, the closer we got to Europe was the Anglo-Italian Cup in the, in the 1990s. <laughs> um, and, and to you know, I know it was against, you know, relative minnows from Northern Ireland, but that, yeah, you know, just to see all that colour, all that gold that night, at the pac Molyneux on a really hot, sweaty night, it was a real, real lump in the, real lump in the throat moment, and that's why sort of those European nights from last season mean so much to me. And it's partly why I, I you know, I, I'm not really enjoying football at the moment because we're not there. We're having to watch from the TV. I mean, last night, for example, after the final whistle, I didn't really feel bothered. We'd lost three one. You know, um, it's. Manchester City were excellent in the first half. We weren't that good. We played really well second half, and I thought we, you know, we had the chances to get something out of the game. But just it's just the fact we're not there at the moment that sort of hurts as a football fan because for me it's all about that collective that collective experience and and, and, and being there in the stadium rather than uh, watching it off TV. And
0: I think that's the thing, and this is one of the reasons why you know I was into this series because I do think. And I'm not being romantic here, or maybe I am, and that's fine if I am, because I'm, again, everyone listening will will feel the same. There is something, and there's a raw emotion, it it doesn't matter if you support Wolves whoever you support, about going, the whole experience. And, you know, you mentioned in terms of going to the game, you know, the side wasn't great. And in some ways, in those early days, I don't know if it was what it was like for you, Steve, the result wasn't would not say irrelevant, but it was more about the going and and i think mm. that's that, that's kind of how it, how it feels and yeah i mean um you know I, I, I can I can really relate to that, but as you say yeah. see war, wars in europe and um i think for for those who um perhaps a little bit younger not to remember the anglo italian cup so that was a competition between the championship in Serie B, wasn't it? I think at the time. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, That's poor, correct. Yes. Port Vale used to do quite well in Stoke, and, and that and that was a that was a. And we didn't. <laughs> yeah. We, that one's not and it and it and it and it died. Death. So as you say, for, for many generations, you know, that was our experience of Europe, or a, or a pre-season friendly against a mid-table Spanish side. So, it's just the whole experience of being in Europe. Um, and 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 those games as well. Any games from Europe that that, that stu- stood out for you? Um, obviously for the occasion, I guess the Crusaders games. But any other, sort of the sort of the away games that sort of stood out for you? Or
1: yeah, well, I I didn't manage to get to any of the away games because um, my wife was my wife was probably with pneumonia um, from sort of November onwards. So I ended up missing I ended up missing sort of Basictas and Espanol as well, unfortunately, because I've got childcare duties to do. But um, you know, it, it's even even that first game in the group against Braga, you know, it, it just felt a ma- massive milestone to be there. Even though we didn't play that well and we didn't win, then um, then it then you know then then uh, it, it didn't it didn't really matter. It was sort of it was sort of being there. But um, you know, I, I'd have I'd have loved to have got soaked in Braga. I'd have the one trip I'd have really liked to have done was the Bratislava one, um, just for the the Eastern European culture, really. Um, but you know obviously, obviously, it was just a game where loads of school kids got to go to and and, uh, oh. and, and, that, and that was about it um, but yeah you know, even even following those on on TV and local radio last year was was great fun and, and I can remember leaping around the kitchen like a loony when uh, when, when Willie Bolly stood that late winner in, in Basictas.
0: I think that was the, the key for me I, I think and that week, if you remember it, so we we, we beat the Sectors, and then we went and beat man City. And yep. I was just like to have that conversation within a week. And we were doing the podcast at the time. And I was asked to, you know, to talk about it. I said, oh, okay, so I've just got, yeah, let me get this agenda right. We just meet the seats. Up, <laughs> and let me just meet Man City. And it's like and it start? And, yeah, and, and it is, it's just sort of a pinch me moment, and it's not that we don't deserve to, because anybody that's watched this, watched this side over the last few years, you know. We, we deserve to be there, but you do have those bizarre moments where you have a bit of a chuckle to yourself um, because of the journey that we've been on as fans. And and Steve, before we sort of talk about what it means for you to be a fan and part of the pack. Now, um, during your, your relationship with Walls, it took a professional um, angle at, at, um, at a time. So you were previously correspondence for the Express and Style with the Walls. How did that come about and how was that experience as a fan moving into that at that time?
1: Well, um, sports journalism was always something I wanted to get into. Um, and I was very lucky to have done you know, several years as a news reporter. Um, but I always wanted to get into sports. And in, and in my spare time, I sort of did... Um, a little bit of sport reporting in non-league football. I did Birmingham a few times and I helped out with a, a couple of, um, of Wolves games as well. So, you know, I was lucky enough for example to be at the, the first premier premiership game at Blackburn in, in 2003. Although again, the result wasn't great um, with, with, with Tim Nash um, who I ended up taking over from, but I ended up joining the Express and Star Sports Desk in sort of November 2006, I think it was. Yeah. To November 2006. Um no, 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 sorry, I'm gonna get my dates wrong. It was November two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. Um and I I'd, I'd moved to the sports desk to become um to take over doing the covering Kidderminster Harriers in place of Malcolm Cinnamon, uh who, who'd become a, 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 um, a sub-editor and was going was moving away to um to Orkney. Um so I, I started off covering Kidderminster for um for sort of three quarters three quarters of a season and then somewhat out of the blue that summer um, after the Wolves had, after we'd been relegated from the premiership under, under Dave Jones um, they decided to have a switch around at the Express and Star and gave me the the Wolves job um, which was a massive honour I mean you know to be a Wolves fan get, getting that job and following in the footsteps of, of not only Nashi but um, you know Dave Instone beforehand you know who I'd grown up reading as a, as a kid was was and an has been a huge mentor for me during my career I mean the, the help he gave me in, in sort of my pre-journalism days around work experience and stuff was invaluable. Uh, and, and, and then Mark, working with Martin Swain as well was as, as someone to learn from was, was outstanding. Uh, and I've got a huge amount to thank both of them for. Um, but it it was, it was a bit of a baptism of fire because about a week later after I started the job, so we switched over in pre-season and in fact, I think it just started to return to training. About a week later, I was jetting off to Norway for the pre-season tour. (laughs) So, um, as I say, it was a real baptism of fire because, you know, I had no contact at Wolves whatsoever. Mm. And there I am sort of covering the tour, um, trying to get to know the staff, um, Trying to get to know people within the club, uh, and you know, it, it takes time to generate contact. And I think if you look at how, how the way that sort of Tim Spears has developed in the job over the past few years, the fact he's grown into it over four, five, six years now, uh, and the job he's doing in the athletic is, is outstanding. Um, I think it just shows that, that, that having that time to develop helps. And at the time, the management of the express and style like to change things around quite often, so you could never get your feet under the table properly. Um, and I remember at the time, you know, I was, I was massively proud to do it. But I think looking back at my career now, would I do a better job of it now than I did then? Undoubtedly. Um, and it was probably a job too early, if you like, because I'd only done eight months on Kidderminster Harriers. But but to, to cover walls for those two two seasons was 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 brilliant. But I just felt that I was starting to really develop those contacts and get to know those people. Um, at the time, I I then moved on to doing another job um, covering West Brom as it happened, um, and Mark Douglas took over. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it was it was a, a real honour to do, and it was some great memories. I mean, I, you know, one of the one of the, the first game I covered for Wolves was pre season friendly at Tromso, um, and Wolves were great with me for that trip. And the, myself and Dave Bagnell travelled with the team. Um, the first night we arrived in Tromso. Stuart Gray and Dave Jones said, do you want to come out for a beer? So he went out for, mm. went out for a beer with him. John, John Hendley, obviously, you know, very sadly we've lost him over the past couple of years. He was, he was just brilliant with me. He took me under his wing, look af- looked after me. It was great company. Um, <laughs> and the first game we travelled to was Tromso. They, they didn't play in Tromso itself. They played on an island, some, uh, some way away. So we had to fly to the game. Wow. And the, 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 the main squad who were playing... Um, Trav traveled uh on a on a you know what you call a proper plane you know, <laughs> a, 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 a proper jet and um, and there was four of us left over. there was me foz, there was joni and Lescott and George and Dar. <laughs> and we were we were given a tiny little plane to go in um, obviously there was a pilot which helped
0: yeah uh, but,
1: but um it was in comparison it was like uh it was yeah well yeah it was just it was just a really small. Executive plane rather than a, a big proper jet, and Foz hated flying. He hated flying. He was there with his hands gripped on the seats. Is it all right? Is it all right? Is it, are we going to be okay? And then at the back, because um, as we came into land where the, the game was being played, there was a bit of turbulence, and Foz was was hanging on grimly for to, to his seat. And then at, at at the back, George and Dar pipes up, "Oh my god! Oh my god! We're going to die!" <laughs> <laughs> Um, as it is, it all worked out fine. Um, but yeah, that, that, was, that was my first experience of, of covering Wolves. And, and Wolves went on to win the game that day. They won 3-2. Vio Ganea got a couple. Looked really sharp in that pre-season. Um, Morton Gamps Pedersen, who went on to have a great career at Blackburn, played for Tromso that day and was their standout player. Um, but yeah, Vio Ganea was, looked, looked so sharp. And if, sadly, a couple of games later when they played the third friendly in Oslo, he did his crew shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they obviously wolves never really recovered. Then, um, I mean, it's just just another story. A couple of couple of months later, um, obviously Dave Jones was under increasing pressure, um, and wolves had lost at Gillingham. They, they'd had sort of picked up an, a, a little bit. They'd won at Plymouth. They'd won at Brighton, and they went on another bit of a dip, and they went and lost at Gillingham when they'd played against ten men for more than half a game, and yeah, they really should have won. Um, and the following day was um, the uh, Midlands football writers' um, annual dinner in Birmingham, and uh, Rick Haywood, who was obviously Wolves chairman, was 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 there at the time, and he was the sort of guest speaker. So um, anyway, I sort of made it my mission to try and speak to Rick
0: mm. uh,
1: afterwards. And not only did I speak to him afterwards, I ended up sharing a taxi back to Wolverhampton with him, <laughs> and, and and he he was talking he was talking. Um, he was, you know, you, you could you could you could see from what he could you could you could tell from what he was saying that, you know, he wasn't sure whether Dave should be sacked or not. I think he he was veering on the fact that he, that he should have kept the job and it would turn out right. Um, so I, I went to bed that night thinking sort of nothing more of it. And of course, the following day he got sacked because you know, wow. Rick had, Rick had got back to the apartment at Molyneux, mm. and when he got back he'd spoken to Sir Jack who'd. Told him to 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 fire to fire to fire Dave, and uh, yeah, the following the following day he'd gone. But yeah, Rick was a bit of a tortured soul in that in in, in that in that taxi. But um, but yeah, that was uh, that, that was good fun. Uh, in terms of sort of proudest moments of my time covering Wolves Rye, then I think my last day covering Wolves um, or my last week was probably as proud as I could get because I sort of went out on something of a high because um, we. <laughs> um, we obviously bro- the, my last big story I broke on Wolves was was Mick McCarthy becoming manager, uh, and Martin Swain and I were both um, were both uh, chasing this story, and we both got it from different sources. And I managed to get hold of Mick's number from um, a contact up in the northeast, and tried it. And uh, so he answered he answered the phone first of all. So I said, oh, it was Mick? It's Steve Marshall from Express and Style here. I hear you're getting the Wolves job." Can you, can, you, you know, can, you, can you tell me any more about it? And he did the old, hello, hello, I can't hear you trick, and hung up. So, so I then phoned him back, and it just went dead. And he was, it just went dead. It was clearly, and it had a foreign ringtone before. So that was enough for us to, to run the story that Nick was going to get a job, and the following day he was given it. Um, so then my last day covering Wolves was the Saturday, so the day after Wolves had, had, had appointed him. And um, I was on the Saturday. I was on the Saturday shift. I was the only reporter working the Saturday. I'd already got um, an, a, an exclusive with Paul Lynch because uh, Paul was absolutely golden with 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 us during during his his, his time at Wolves. and uh, particularly me and, and Paul Berry. You know, bearing in mind who he was, then there's two young reporters, we couldn't have asked for somebody better to deal with. But anyway, I I, I tried Mick again on the Saturday morning. And it said a lot about the man that not only did he um, not only did he answer, but he apologized for the fact that he'd had to hang up so abruptly when he'd had to pick up the phone a couple of days before and then gave me the first interview with him as Wolves manager. So to have him and Paul Ince on the same day, both exclusive on the last day of me covering Wolves
0: was a good way to go out. That's brilliant. There's some brilliant stuff there from Rick Hayward, who I'd never met or certainly never shared a taxi with, but, you haven't, but I heard so much about his being a bit of an eccentric and, you know, he's sort of large and life personality and then Mick some again, you know, someone who um, will always be very popular and in some, And that plane, just imagine you've got some precious cargo in that plane going over you. But, Absolutely. Yeah um, what well,
1: are you yeah, yeah. You, you've, got, you've got you've got a defender in there who 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 ended up leaving for what 5 6 million pounds to yeah, to Everton. Yeah. And good you know what what would what would Joe Lescott be worth these days?
0: Brilliant brilliant. Um and then in in, in terms of uh, to to close Steve um the, the the series is stories from the pack, and 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 really, what this is all about is is what it means to you to be part of the pack. You've touched on it really eloquently, and we're really grateful. But just to to summarise, what it means to you to be part of the of the wolves pack?
1: Oh, um, it's a massive privilege to be part of the wolves pack. Um, I have to say, um, you know, I've, I've loved every minute of going to watch wolves. Um, since I started going in 1984. You know, even in those dark days when I remember standing on the north the South Bank when, you know, 4-0 down at half time and they're going to throw John Purdy on. And there's me being Mr. Optimistic thinking that John Purdy's going to turn the game around against Brentford when the game's, you know, the game's gone. Um and, and just just to have been on that journey over the past few years to, you know, all those all those years in the championship and now to see the team we have we're so lucky to have, you know, we're so lucky to have this team we have at the moment. You know, we won't win every week, and you know, people will be disappointed by that because inevitably, people are disappointed when when they when they lose. But what I'd just say is enjoy this enjoy this team at the moment because some of the players we have are just absolutely mind blowing compared to to some of the players who, who pulled on that shirt in in, in the 1980s, in particular um so yeah it's 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 about that shared experience it's about you know being able to hug that complete stranger who you've never hugged before you know when a last minute goal goes in yeah that that complete delirium um you know going back to Wembley you know i had a, 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 a the, the Watford game I had a, a, a young lad Sitting behind me at, and, it, and it wasn't Richard Hobbs Although Richard Hobbs Was sitting behind me At Wembley <laughs> but, um, but um, It was a couple of seats Along But I'd, I'd got a little A young lad A little lad Sitting next right behind me And I was checking He, he could see the game All the way through Because you know You don't want to yeah. Stop stop enjoying that And I just remember Turning around When him and her Stuck the second goal in and the smile on his face was something that will live with me forever. And we we high fived, and it was oh, it's just it was just brilliant. So that, that's 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 it's those moments that that mean the most. And it for me, it's as I say, it's family as well. You know, um, I still go with my aunt. my mum and dad have got season tickets, a couple of a couple of seats along in in the steeple stand as well. Um, and I know they're all they're all really missing it. So you know, hopefully in the not too distant future we'll be able to get back to doing what we love and and setting foot in Molyneux.
0: brilliant and and, and just on that really you know I hope for for everyone that's listening you know in this time where going to games is, is on pause um what we're discussing now brings back some good memories and there'll be memories that Steve has gone through and we've shared today that will mean something to someone there and, and perhaps games and eras that will be new to to others as well. So just before we close, a massive thank you to everybody who continues to support the podcast. And we've got loads going on with the podcast at the moment. We're doing the regular pods where we'll do a reaction after each game. We've also got, obviously, the stories of of the pack, which we were on now. And also we've got the alternative Hall of Fame and the film cast as well. So if you enjoy what we do, we'd love for you to leave a five-star review. And um, from... Uh, myself and Steve. Just finally, thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure, really enjoyed it. Thank you and uh, we'll see you soon.